I'm Charlie Rosseter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Peace Akintade, coming to us from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, up north of the border in Canada. She is the Saskatchewan Youth Poet Laureate as of August 1, 2020. She's been in Saskatoon for, I believe you told me, eight years, and she is African-Canadian, originally from Nigeria. Now, right now, she is the uh, co-coordinator of Write Out Loud, a Saskatoon-based youth poetry community. And she sent me her bio, of course, and in it, she had this to say about her work. It touches on the impact of slavery in her village, colorism. Growing up in Kuwait, Nigeria, and Canada, and relearning her culture in the face of colonization. And two things in that popped out at me. Colorism is not a term I hear used, at least down here in the U.S. And then this idea of uh, relearning your culture in the face of colonization. I want to say something about either one of those, just to yeah. get us rolling. I can say about um, relearning my culture, because when I first came to Canada, um, you know, you have to fit in. Like I came at a young age, at 10 years old. My main focus was fitting in with the crowd. So I would uh, straighten my hair. Um, I would wear like baggy clothes. Um, I would wear those like really baggy pants because it was in the trend right now. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and that was what I did to kind of blend into the crowd. Of course, I couldn't do that because of the color of my skin. And I was like the only two uh, black person in my middle school. Um, I remember the first day that I came to school, um, the teacher was introducing us. And she told me that I need to speak my name to um, the crowd. So I turned and I said my name and I said to the mumble, I was like, my name is Mr. Miller, and people were like, what, what, what is that? And I said that my name is Peace Akita Day and they could not understand, like they could not understand what I was saying or why I was saying it. They thought I was speaking a different language when really I was just saying my name. <laughs> and then someone came up to me and they reached out their hand and you know, in our culture, you bow down um, to show respect. So instead of grabbing his hand, I bowed down. <laughs> and everybody was just like laughing. And although it's a funny story now, as a 10-year-old, um, yeah. when you just come into a new country, it, kind of, it hurts uh, a little bit. So I kind of like started hiding anything that could even show that I was from Africa. Um, now, like five years later, I'm looking at myself and I see that I miss my culture. I miss my heritage. I miss um, Nigeria and like talking with people and visiting people, um, you know, going to their house at sure. 3 a.m. instead of <laughs> telling someone three days later that you need to come to their house. Um, <laughs> so I, I really miss that. And that's what I mean by like relearning my culture. Um, because of colonization, part of the urban definition is that trying to erase your culture 
to fit into another one, right? And yeah. that was exactly what I was doing without realizing it. It was ingrained in me. Yeah. Um, so now I wear my African clothes wherever I go. Um, my hair is always in a twist or an afro. Um, <laughs> and it's like just me finding what makes me African um, and also Canadian because of that. Yes. Stay away from that fact too. It's right. just learning my identity. And then colorism in Nigeria, uh, bleach. Um, bleach creams were a very big part of uh, our life. Like they would use creams that would make your skin lighter because, again, colonization, mm. um, they want to fit into um, the white look. I'm doing that mm. with quotations <laughs> into the white look. Um, so they'll have bleach creams and they'll give it to their daughters. And I didn't know why, but I never liked those bleach, the bleach cream. Like I loved my skin. I loved how dark it was. Mm -hmm. um, but for everyone else, they thought it was a crazy thing that I didn't want to be lighter. Um, and then they had these festivals uh, where they would like pick the princesses and the prince. And it was always the light skin, um, like blacks that will yeah. become the prince and the princess. And then they will have like people that are dark skinned walking behind them. Um, in the festival, almost like if they're the servants. Mm -hmm, yeah. And that, that it, it's not a good thing. No. I mean, like we're all part of a community. We're all blacks. We're all Africans. Yet there is still a segregation um, mm. in that community. Gotcha. And I'm just sitting there like, don't we have enough problems already? <laughs> yeah. And when I came to Canada. People were like, oh, your skin is so beautiful. Your skin is so dark and wonderful. And I was like, no one has ever complimented me like that. Yeah, it's a de developmental process of uh, becoming who you are mm -hmm. and accepting, you know, accepting who you are, of course, and uh, becoming that even more so mm -hmm. through the acceptance. Yeah. No, no. Beautiful process. And you're going to be, it's going to be good for people to see you going around Saskatchewan as the Youth Poet Laureate. That's oh, yeah. another, I imagine that's going to be real good for the Saskatchewaners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be because of like most black kids uh, in yeah. Saskatoon, uh, they're mostly focused on, you know, getting good grades and going sure. to school and university and arts. Art is like a, a back tint to them, like they don't really take it seriously. So for me to come and say that you can make uh, a living out of it and you can influence people in the right way with art, uh, that's my main goal. Uh, and that's why I'm so happy to get the position. Yeah, I think it's great that you have this platform and with those kind of messages, that's, that's the way it ought to be. Why don't we hear a poem? Uh, okay, I'll just do a Sunday Best. So this one is about, I was in quarantine and you know in quarantine, all our weeks and our days kind of all blend together. Yeah. Um, and the importance of weekends kind of loses its meaning. Um, no one really knows what a Sunday or a Saturday is <laughs> because of every day is like a Saturday. Uh, so I did a poem about just me missing Sunday. We always knew Sunday brought the good in us, reminded us of black churches where kisses were mandatory Chocolate velvet voices could seduce angels and stewed chicken was God's work. When can my burden say hello to religion on Sunday? Sunday is smoking after a warm day of lying. 
It's an arrested day of questioning and answering yourself. We knew Sundays were quiet time to rethink the week's confession and forgive our tongue for murder, to argue with our insecurities and hide them in a closet. To love is to hide, to hide is to say, I see you. A day to let my skin develop bumps and my hair to grow nappy. A day to miss schoolwork and finish ice cream bars. A day to drink out of mason jars and pretend you are effortlessly lazy, lazily insta-cheek, lazy and important, unimportant in the sense that you owe no one anything. You are your own person. You are Sunday. We always knew that we would fall in love with Sunday, just like falling in love with kindergarten teachers, wishing to grow up like them or to marry them. Kindergarten teachers taught us how to hold hands, to love our neighbors as friends. They taught us the nukes of morals, that strawberry blonde hair was not the epitome of beauty. She taught me to enjoy afternoon naps surrounded by library books that the warmest places were in the corners of rooms. Do you remember how she told us the Lord's Prayer by giving us pecks on the cheeks if we said it right? Butterfly kisses that made us fall in love. Sunday kisses that made us fall in love. If Sunday was a painting, it would be a stained with barbecue sauce, given to kids as birthday presents or passed on as basement decoration. Sunday would be a beautiful mess, our mess, the mess that makes us humans, abstract mess, the mess that makes us humans. It would be your childhood best friend who you've married to for 18 years. Fall in love with me, Sunday. Fall in love with me again. Tell me what you see in me. Hide me from the weak stairs. Thank you. That's lovely. And, you know, in a workshop, that would be great to ask everybody to think about. And if if it's not Sunday for them, pick another day of the week that you miss or that you really have an affection for. People can't see this. We're only audio. But you had a big smile when you mentioned the kindergarten (laughs) teacher. (laughs) So I know you're telling the truth. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have so (laughs) many stories about the kindergarten teacher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'm pretty sure everyone has a teacher that has really helped them. And every time you talk about them, you have a big smile on your face. Yeah. And I like taking naps surrounded by books. Mm-hmm. That's just such a nice yeah. thought, <laughs> experience, image. It's just, that's beautiful. You know, really good. <laughs> uh, just really great positive memories. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do another poem. That's lovely. We'll follow that right up. Okay. Um, this one is a holy man. Uh, it was me sitting in the sidewalk after a, a meeting. And someone did the question that, why is it that it's always heroes that are always winning? Um, and I didn't know how to answer it, you know. Just a small kid didn't really know how important that question was. And he just asked, why are heroes always winning? Um, So I did a poem, not really answering the question, but stealing the question from him. (laughs) Like a good poet. That's the way you do it. Good. (laughs) If I ever fall on my knees to worship my prisoner, rename me as holy. 
Holy is the name of my villain, who is more trigger words and self-denial, who is more Christian music played on a loop to drown out my siblings' cries. Teach me trauma, how you grip me so willingly. I remember sitting on the streets, listening to the radio station say, heroes are always winning. If heroes are always winning, then I must win with an iron fist. I see God in the mirror and she is crazy, mad for destructive knowledge. Like when we look at the burning embers of the city, let us laugh and rejoice at our victory. When the wind is falling apart and the sun begins to fail, when the earth spits us out, you will still be here. You, more villain than monster, you, more urban day witchcraft and crystal demon summoning, and me, wishing to be a protagonist, a hero, that when I look in the mirror, I see a dignity. She looks more like a stressed consumer than heavily body, but my reflection will show power and starvation some days. My starvation holds me tightly for inspiration. My inspiration are shackles I carry on my shoulders, embracing the divine whip of trauma. Let us all as a congregation repent our desires for a better world. Let us make our chairs our goddesses and the competent fools our heroes. Our regret shall be omnipotent because we are humans. Humans more obsessed than fair. Humans more unfinished journals than self-discovery, but humans more gullible and lovable Humans who carry their shackle and attach it to themselves, not to the wall, nor the rocks, not attached to our livestock, but we carry our shackles on our shoulder. And I wonder if we fall in love with our prisoner and if we realize poison does not make us gods. Thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's interesting, the, the impetus Heroes are we always women. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, it's a. Uh, I try to do it from the viewpoint of a villain that sees himself as a hero. Uh, mm. So, like the burning embers of the city um, is their victory. Even though there's so much destructive power in there, they still think that they are the ones winning. Um, mm. Like Batman or, or Superman in the end of the movie. The city is destroyed, <laughs> but <laughs> but everybody sees that as a win. Uh, so that was my idea for that poem. Yeah, that's the one. That's one of them. As I was reading through, I was thinking when people hear this, uh, I always I say this often. It would often benefit from going back and listening again to yeah. see what's there in a poem because yeah. you get something the first time, but then you get some more if you mm -hmm. listen again or. Or different, yeah. more or different, or both, if you listen again. Yeah, that's the thing with spoken word. Um, it's something that you can say over and over and over, and people will not get bored because they always find something to grab onto, something else to grab onto. Yeah, that's right. That's why when a poet says, oh, you've already heard this, I mean, what do I care? I've already heard, if the band plays, you already heard the music they're playing the last time they toured and came through your town. So uh, that's perfectly okay. In fact, it's even good. Mm -hmm. So, all right. What else have you got? I have like one, it's called the engagement party. Uh, it's a pretty sad one uh, because when we were in Nigeria, child brides were still um, 
very prominent. It's still very prominent now. Um, and I had a friend that right now she's already married and with two kids and she's the same age as me. Uh, so I wrote this poem uh, kind of from her perspective because it was important to tell the stories of others. Um, that's how I used my venue was to tell the stories of others to bring light into other issues. Uh, so it's an engagement party. Yeah. yeah, this is no, this is an important thing that poems do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, when I read that poem, I go, whoa, I don't know about these kind of things and these kind of details about it. So it's it's extremely compelling, as all of you listening are about to hear. Yeah. I walked into my engagement party and remember three things to never do when engaged to a teenage gang lord named Ayomide Oguremi Oluwabeye. Don't bring up your engagement during dinner time. In a whisper under your egusi soup, you whisper just loud enough to convey an emotion in your father. You whisper that you secretly want him to choke on his pounded yam so while he gags on wheat, he might feel a fraction of heartbreak I felt when he sold me for 3,000 neras. 3,000 neras is equal to 10 Canadian dollars. In other words, my worth is equal to two McDonald's Happy Meal, or a big pack of socks from Ardeen, or four large Slurpees from 7-Eleven. And at this point, I don't know whether to be angry or agree to sell myself for $10 so I might afford those tins for once. I watch with regret as my mother chooses her duty then her daughter, preparing me for the way of the tainted. Marriage is a funny way of saying bankruptcy since the room we slept in reeks of starvation and laughter. Marriage is a funny way of saying sold to the lovely fellow in the back, to the first person who had money in the black hole of a pocket. The marriage made me a hero a champion, a sacrifice. Do not convey anything to your friends. While they speak of marriage to millionaires, laugh and entertain them. Tell them your type is brooding, eight years your senior and old enough to vote. Tell them your type never saw you as anything other than a sister. Will teach you how chickens made love and make your heart flutter. Tell them to never fall in love God knows if girls can actually think of who makes them happy. Do not make jokes with them. To your father, your brother, your male companions. They will rob you of your status of villagers into heroes. And I'll rather be called of sacrifice from those single liquors, those sexist flickers. At least then they will be telling the truth. And I've never seen my grandfather cry except when I kissed him for the last time when I was 10. We both knew it was due time. Belly rubs would be too sexual and my father's hugs never felt friendly. God forgive me if my family actually loved me. There's a reason we never remember the last time our parents put us down. When engaged at the age of 10, never think anything is out of the ordinary, that he was more than a nice guy that your culture depends on your gender, that domestic rape was camouflaged as marriage. When engaged to a teenage ganglord, when involved with the Nigerian mafia, 
run, end up in Canada, and write a poem about it so that you may know. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, that kind of poem takes effort uh, to read, you know, because it brings back so many memories. Yeah, that's a friend of yours, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But we get a lot of those, you know, yeah. <laughs> in the whole mix of the poetry that we hear. Then yeah. some of them are things that just have to be said and and people need to learn about and know yeah. is happening in the actual world we live in even today. Mm -hmm. Now, here's something. Um, in an interview, you mentioned to uh, the interviewer that you had, were at working, so a couple of years ago, you were working on a play. And all I recall is I think it involved like multi-arts and I always think that's interesting to think about and talk about so what was that about and you know what was it about yeah so um it, the show was called if love was an echo um and it was just about I pretty much interviewed people like months ago about what love means to them if love was an object what would it mean to you and then from that answer I now created a poem from it then, while I was sitting down writing the poem, I was thinking, this will look really great for some contemporary dancers. Uh, so with the Saskatchewan uh, History and Folklore Society, um, they helped fund for the show. Um, and we started looking for like contemporary dancers. Uh, and they danced to the poem being read. Uh, then I now started thinking, okay, let's have some sound effects in it. Uh, so then musicians now started coming in and before I knew it, I had this whole ensemble um, of different parts of artists uh, coming together for the show. So I had writers, I had dancers, I had poetry, music, um, and I also had some like public speakers because I wanted them to be reading the poem live uh, instead of it being recorded, you know because, you know, spice it off a bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so while people were reading it live in the audience, um, the dancers were dancing it uh, in the stage, and then the music was playing over air, and it was this beautiful uh, show. Uh, and it happened in 2018. And then it came back in 2019 for Shakespeare Saskatchewan. Uh, we performed it again on the main stage. Uh, it was just an amazing event that happened and it kind of got me really um invested in connecting artists you know connecting yeah. different parts of artists different people from different webs uh, and that's what i'm also going to be doing as a, a youth poet laureate is kind of connecting musicians with theater people um artists with spoken word artists uh just getting all of them together to create another show I don't so, know just to be clear, did you say that the people reading were in the audience? Mm hmm Yes. They, they just were in the middle of the group and just stand up and they just stand do their up thing? And, and just talk. And people were like, well, what's going on? And I was like, just you wait. <laughs> great. Great idea. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Okay, so you'll be doing more of that as Youth Poet Laureate. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Super. That's my main goal. Oh. I'm really glad to hear that because those kind of things are so interesting. The, the people of Saskatoon will greatly appreciate this. Mm -hmm. I mean, when, when you, uh, I like the way, it's interesting how you talked about it evolving. First the poem, then the dancers, 
than the musicians. Yes. <laughs> and oh, let's have them get in the audience and read it, you know, et cetera. It's just, yeah. it's just lovely to see it evolve into a whole complete package. Yes. That's great. That's really lovely. Well, we have time for another poem, so let's yeah. do another poem before, okay. yeah, uh, before we finish. And I wanted to do a poem that uh, originally supposed to be read, um, like, not read, yeah, read English, mm. that is supposed to be read because of it has a lot of deep meaning, um, and you'll need to read it over and over again. Uh, but saying it out loud is also really fun um, because it sounds like absolute nonsense. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to read. It's called Lollipop Candy. I'm not going to tell you the meaning to it because it's for the audience to decide what the meaning is. Yeah, it's art. Yeah. <laughs> With a tortured sing-song anthem of karma's quicksand and lost children, I wish life could choke me with her lover's hair. Maybe then poets shall call my name favored. Above the flower chambers of my youth, I am growing up quicker than the screams of single mothers. My innocence in exchange for candy licking masters and lullaby induced chest on playgrounds. Instagram ready confessions in 10 words. We wonder why happiness shows in smiles and whether family problems disappear in captions. The sun rotates gleefully unaware of its influence. Let us be more like the sun, unaware of the touches that make legends of the toe fondling underneath blankets and the cramped tension for the air. Let the grass wrap their fingers, graze on our bruised knee, healing our past with sweet nothings and brighter ascensions of life. We joke around, but do not take lightly the man-man who screams at the end of time. When the ocean resides, they do not leave pearls, but smooth rocks. So are the flinting moments of happiness that live us with wisdom. The moon has no reason to love the tide, yet we write sonnets of their mistaken friendship, branding them by the hands of poets rather than the hands of their prisoner. Candies run out in liquor stores. Chocolate factory hijinks have no place on earth. The protection of interest gives way to disappointment. Lower your expectations have been heard by housewives who expect jewel rocks to bite on, but anniversary dates are useless. Candy stores are no place for children. The fear of madmen holds fast to innocent fathers. Lollipop candies make birds perch on top of feminine men. How do you end a story with no beginning? by listing the things that make you a man-man. Cinnamon buns with frost melted, cranberry chicken under dark rice, strawberry sidewalks on the fall of October, gold stewed smoothie, whipped cream straight from the bottle, cameramen with a lust for designing. If love in my time makes me crazy, then let me. Let me discover the moon as a friend. Let me end my life with a fable. Let that fable prove that you're wrong. Yes, happiness is fleeting, but lollipop candies never run out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now back up. What, yeah. Now give us the exact title of that is? Lollipop candy. Lollipop candy. Okay, yeah. now without 
giving away too much. Mm-hmm. Can you give a hint okay. for the for the for the listener who goes back, who, who is motivated <laughs> okay. to go back again? Yeah, it's like maybe a to riddle. look for. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a riddle. So okay, all right. There's three characters. There's the madman that mm-hmm. comes up a lot. Um, there is the moon, and then there is the sun. Okay. So those three characters, they come back in the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just. That's good. Steal, I'll spoil one thing. Okay. You are the madman. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, well, and okay. it's kind of like the thoughts of what a madman will have. Okay. Um, and then you see symbolism <laughs> with childhood. But that's all I'm going to say. It, that's it, enough, yeah. Good. One of my favorites because Beautiful. people always reply to me about what they think their meaning is. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, go on. Because <laughs> 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 that's the best type of poetry, the ones that you can figure out yourself. Yeah, but not too easily. No, but not With too easily. a little easily. effort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, well, this is a really wonderful piece. I'm so glad that we could... Uh, Get this into your schedule because now that you're so busy being a youth poet laureate <laughs> with other other uh, people wanting to interview you and all that, this is really wonderful. I know you're gonna gonna really do some good things. Thank you. Uh, and those theatrical productions that sounds really wonderful. Mm-hmm. So so thanks yeah. for being here. Yeah, I love it. Okay, folks, you are listening to Poetry Spoken here. I'm your host Charlie Rossiter. Our feature today, Peace Akintare from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, above the border in Canada. Be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Now, I'd like to share with you a poem I consider just superb. You know, in preparing to interview Peace, it brought back for me memories of Saskatchewan. On one of our many summer road trips back in our Chicago days, one of them took us up through Manitoba, very far north, up above the 53rd parallel. Then we went over and came on down through Saskatchewan. As part of the trip, we spent a couple of really wonderful days in Saskatoon. We really liked the local art museum, the Mendel Art Gallery, had dinner at what the tour book claimed might be the best Indian restaurant in Canada, and I went to a used bookstore or two, and I picked up an anthology of Saskatchewan poetry. The book is called A Sudden Radiance. It's edited by two really excellent Canadian poets, Lorna Crozier and Gary Highland. I knew their work, and I figured they'd put some good poems in this anthology, and they certainly did. Well, I got this book out to read again, reread, just because I was in the mood and was reminded of this particularly excellent poem that really struck me the first time I read it, and I, I still think very highly of it. This poem was written by Elizabeth Allen. She was born in 1945, spent her childhood in New Zealand, then was in Canada and lived in Saskatchewan for a decade or two. And at the time the book was published, in 1987, she was back in New Zealand. And here's the poem. A Matter of Survival by Elizabeth Allen. The Swedish tourist in Uganda who falls into the crocodile-infested Nile goes mad 
and peas over his rescuers on the ferry to Khartoum. The girl in the Alberta bush, remembering Yule Gibbons, survives for seven days on nothing but roots, and by sleeping in a marsh with only her head exposed to the frenzied mosquitoes. South of Labret, Murray Bedell still farms using hooks for hands, chewed off in his round baler five years ago. In Limburg, librarian asks why I borrow a book of poetry for the third time. A Matter of Survival by Elizabeth Allen. At the time of this book being published, she had two books of her own, A Shored Up House, and the other is Territories. And so you've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm your host, Charlie Rossiter. Hope you'll be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.